Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles and the Big Apple in New York City, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely late co-host, Adrian Gruberg at thecaregiverspace.org, coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on 21 global audio and video platforms, including iHeartRadio and iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, HealthyLife.net, Vimeo, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, Mixcloud, Listen Notes, Blueberry, Player FM, Podcast.com, VIP Internet Radio, TuneIn.com, Facebook Live, Owl's Tale, U-Book, uh, Cast Box, and of course, CaregiverDave.com. Sorry about that. That's a lot of platforms to say over and over again, but we are proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM, as well as one of the top six best podcasts by caring.com as well as number three podcast out of thousands of caregiver podcasts on Feedspot. And we have an exciting show planned for you today. And if Adrian was here, she'd say, yes, we do. Uh, it's Beth Liebling, a divorced middle-aged mother of five children <laughs> and grandmother. She's also an Ivy League educated, former board certified divorce attorney who got tired of uh, breaking people up, so now she helps couples stay together. So as I always say, uh, I would listen to a, um, a counselor or a, a divorce attorney who's gone through divorce or a, uh, a financial analyst who's been through bankruptcy because that's how you really know how to avoid those things. Talk to somebody who's been there. And so she's the girl for the hour here. But before we get started, I want to take this moment to thank my last week's guest, Anne Weiss. Broad, Director of Social Services at the Hebrew Home at Riverdale and has over 30 years' experience as a social worker. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of our other, how many we got? 21 global platforms. The number keeps changing. <laughs> and um, like iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, etc., all right, enough of that. Um, and it sounds like Adrian has come. So welcome to the show, Adrian. And uh, how long we, have you been on the air? Oh, just about a minute or so. Okay. Yeah, you had a slow subway. That happens in in Manhattan. Yes, it does. <laughs> so hi, uh, Beth. We, we've got a great show, don't we, Adrian? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. So uh, <laughs> now Beth, that I'm here. Yeah, now that you're here. <laughs> Beth created Darling Way at DarlingWay.com, a uniquely a uniquely romantic, elegantly sexy retail boutique in the historic Houston Heights neighborhood. Darling Way is also Beth's soapbox from which she coaches people of all ages and backgrounds and teaches them how to create more intimacy, love, and romance. Because what's love without romance? Uh, regardless of their relationship status. Now, in addition to individual and couples coaching, Beth regularly leads workshops, events, and presentations for groups across the country on all things related to mating, dating, sex, and relationships. 
Her Amazon best-selling book, Love and Laughter, Sexy, Meaningful, Fun for Everyone. Uh, her radio show podcast, Love and Laughter with Beth. Uh, ESPN, Houston, uh, iTunes, and Darling Way YouTube video. It's a series, and Beth's bed talks <laughs> have garnered her a loyal national audience with <laughs> an intelligent, no-holes-barred, light-hearted approach to serious topics. She's been a widely popular speaker and radio and television guest. So welcome to the show, Beth. So excited to have you on. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I am. Well, we're glad to have you. And why don't you take a minute or two and introduce yourself. I'd like to ask my guest just who is Beth Liebling and why were you put on this earth? <laughs> I was put on this earth um, really to, to spread love and laughter. The fact that um, I take um, relationships, love, romance, sexy connection, sexy fun, I take them so seriously and yet I think that they are the most fundamental part of our whole lives, that they set the the foundation for our family, for our health, for our professional success. And um, so as seriously as I take them, I also appreciate that we should be laughing about them, that they should be joyful, that everybody should enjoy, whether you're solo or partnered, no matter any age, any background. If we truly, if we don't love ourselves, um, we, we don't, we're not able to love others as well. And that, um, that there is nothing more important in this life than to actually to love. And yet nobody teaches us how to physically love everything around us says, Oh, love is all you need. Love, love, love. <laughs> and that's great from the heart. But I go further and then I help people learn how to actually embrace that, how to embody that and how to use sexy romantic expressions as love and to share that with their partners. Great answer. Um, now, you. I know you're comfortable discussing anything in your life in order to encourage others to feel safe doing the same. And yes. uh, I just want to ask you, uh, why don't you share your story, including any love stories uh, you know, <laughs> that, that might uh, apply so that we get to know you better? Yeah, well, that's so. I say I don't come at this from a, a purely professional. I say Dr. Ruth, right? She was amazing, but she was very hands off. <laughs> she would answer your questions, but she didn't talk about her life. This is my journey, and so um, yeah, my I was married for twenty three years, and my husband and I joked together that we had boring married sex, which I now call BMS. <laughs> BMS, okay. BMS. <laughs> And it was because I say I was open-minded. I, I thought I was okay mm-hmm. with stuff, but the fact is I didn't have any idea how to express myself through sexy expression. I, I had no idea how to use, quote, sex as a means of love, and neither did he. And so we just did what we knew, which was so little, and we just would try to do it. But the fact is, is it didn't actually fulfill either one of us. And... Um, so when I got divorced after 23 years of marriage, um, and that wasn't the reason for the divorce, mind you. We had lots of other issues. We had a bad relationship, um, and it should have ended, and that's good, but it's still sad. But as a divorce lawyer, when I saw all of these good relationships gone bad, that's the wasteful part. When people who really did started with everything good, who really loved each other, and yet didn't know how to navigate that that world of sexy, romantic connection through um, the passing of time, the decades, the having the kids, any health struggles, whatever, career, real life. Um, and that's when I was like this, you know, when I got divorced, I said, I don't want to do this anymore. And 
I looked around for some place to help me um, to start dating again, to believe in love, to believe that I could find something that would be exciting and passionate later in life as a 44-year-old woman. And there was no place that had this kind of take on it. And I said, I need it and other people must. And so this is when um, I now talk. So retail is really, Darling Way is just the place people come in and I just talk and we, we talk and people share their real life love stories, which I think is huge. And that is love, not just with the heart, but with the bodies. And at 44, I have heard that that's an age where you're in your sexual prime, right? You're not over the hill or anything? No, I wasn't, but I didn't. Um, my ex-husband would have said that I was cold and frigid um, because frigid. we literally, oh. yes, right? All of these the awful F things. Word. I thought I was I thought I was ugly. I thought I was unattractive. I thought oh my, my gosh, body was really? horrific. I Oh, it was it was really terrible. Very and, judgmental. <laughs> so right, judgmental. Uh. Yes, but women... Right. We are so frequently because because somehow or another we have this ideal of beauty and we have this ideal of sexy as 20 something years old, thin and pre children. And after that, we never see examples of healthy, happy, sexy, exciting passion. So yeah, and you know, 75 to 80 percent of caregivers are women. So, I mean, you're talking to the audience here. And um, yes, uh, yes. And the world rewards them and says, oh, you're so amazing. Look what you do. You're caring for others. You're doing this. Well, we need to reward and we need to appreciate and celebrate people who, who go to work or, or go during the day and say, oh, you know, I spent the last night with my partner and we loved each other so well. We were making so much noise. I am so happy today. I feel so good. And I have so much energy. And, and the fact is what they're going to do is they're going to then share that energy with everybody else around them, right, at work and in their personal life with their kids, with their family. Um, but we don't. We just think, oh, if you didn't get sleep, if you give up eating meals, if you don't pay attention to what you wear, if you if you look awful and you're treating yourself horribly, that we're going to celebrate. And, um, and I want it to be the other. I want to start celebrating people who really love well. Yeah. And and you says we can talk about anything on this show, and um, you know caregivers, <laughs> caregivers. Uh, you asked for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Caregivers' marriages are usually not good because they're caring for a loved one, so they're tired. They don't have time or energy to even think about sex. The husband, if we're assuming that the caregiver is a woman, uh, you know, is feeling neglected. Feels like the loved one gets all the attention, and many marriages actually break up. The divorce rate among caregivers, I think, is higher than the national standard. Would you agree with that, Adrian? Uh, yes, but it's usually when the husband is the one that's caring for the wife. <laughs> yeah, they just can't take it. Can they? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Men so, leave. Men leave to- because they can't fix it. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a a dictum, I guess, for men that they have to be able to fix things, and if they can't fix it, what good are they? <laughs> right. So you have solutions. Also, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask would, about. Go ahead, you first. Oh, I'm sorry. I just I think that because I always I try to see to see the good in everybody, and the fact is, I think that you're right. Men want to fix things, but also what they don't recognize is that men want to be loved just as much as women want to be loved. Yeah. We overlook that. We, we actually, 
as a society, we tend to think, oh, if a man is having an orgasm, if a man is having, quote, sex, which I say sex is really just code for male erection and orgasm. Everything mm. else is optional. So <laughs> when I talk about it, what I mean is <laughs> sexy fun because people can have sexy fun with or without erection and orgasm. Uh-huh. But but men want love. And I think the problem is is that when they are, particularly if they're in the caregiver thing, they, they might feel sacrificed, they might feel martyred and that caregiver, but they want to feel some romantic excitement and love and they want to feel masculine and manly and, and something. And um, that there are ways that I think we can appreciate that and that we, um, even if you're a woman who's needing regular care, um, if we still have some sense about us, that we really can emphasize and we can reward and fulfill that romantic desire that a man has to feel loved. It just takes a lot of creativity because men are trained to think that uh, not to feel love with their heart, but to feel love with, okay, if I'm getting that erection and orgasm, mm-hmm. that is what I'm supposed to see as love and feel as love. So so let's start with the men. Uh, you have three ways to turn a woman on and which works like <laughs> the best, right? So well, we have some male caregivers out there and uh, they're just, you know, they're not doing well. And so what can they do to as Adrian would say, fix it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let's, um, are we assuming for the moment that a woman, um, is still has her mental right capacity? Yeah. We have to start with that because, uh, a lot of, a lot of them do. And, uh, the other is the exception to the rule. Uh, fortunately that it's a minority of, of the ones that are disabled in that way. But yeah, okay. most of them, it's the body that's uh, that's out, and and there may be some issues. So, like you said, mm-hmm. there's other things you can do if if a male cannot get an erection, or for some reason a, a woman has painful orgasm. You know. Okay. All right. So, um, let's just um, say so. The three ways to turn a woman on are her head, her heart, and her hot pocket. Right? <laughs> Very easy. Head. Heart, hot pocket. Is the hot pocket where I think it is? It is. Okay. It is. It is. Um, <laughs> but, but I'm a guy. Just, I'm kind of slow. You gotta, you gotta make right. sure you, you don't leave me behind. Okay. Right. And so, um, so for example, I always say the the heart. If you're married, if you're partnered, or in a committed relationship, you have the heart already. You've won that. So great. We're, we're past that one. Now, the head is the one that gets in the way. The head is the one that says, I'm tired. I have to go to the grocery store. The house is a mess. I have a headache. Um, I have a headache, right? <laughs> and, and all of these excuses. Because think about our heads are not, we can joke that they're the biggest sex organs, but the fact is, is that they don't just start feeling sexy just like that usually. We need something else to kind of go. So I said, don't ask about don't ask a woman for sex. That is the least appealing it's demeaning. way. Oh, I don't think it's demeaning to ask for what we want, but it's there like is that sense. Begging in, though, you know? Right. And because you feel like rejection and stuff. And I'm saying that's because you're not actually turning her on. So I want men to hmm. start thinking about how to turn her on. Because hmm. you're already if you're asking, right, I'm you've got on, some right. time. Yeah. yeah, so share that. You're interested. So, yeah, yeah. You're the interested. man's already interested. Yeah. Right. How do the animals, and, you know, communicate? You know, they have ways. Right. That's right. And I say the problem is men think that, oh, they should, like, I want her to want it just like I want it and stuff. And I yeah. say, but, you know, it's funny because when you go to a baseball game, you never expect the pitcher and catcher to take turns playing the different positions. <laughs> You expect yeah. a pitcher to be a pitcher and a catcher to be a catcher. 
So yeah. let's just recognize that in your relationship. Doesn't matter to me which one is the starter and which one's the catcher, which one's the receiver. Let's just be clear because in almost every relationship, those two people know. They might not like it, but they know who's supposed to initiate the action because they are thinking and ready. And then as a catcher, their job is to chase that ball down wherever it goes, right? When the pitcher's ready to throw it, the catcher better be ready to catch it. So if we're clear about that, then that helps. So now let's just say, all right, so now let's say traditionally men set the scene. So that means don't just be, don't approach just the head. Let's think about what it is that might turn her on, that might make her think that she wants to have sexy fun. Not that it's an obligation or that it's guilt or because you want it, she has to do it. That is, you know, guilt, guilt sex is not fun. Obligatory sex, not fun for anybody. So don't settle for it. Don't, men don't settle. They'll say, oh, well, she has all the power. I said, no, you have the power too. You can say no. You can give her an offer. Hey, baby, I'm going to rub you all over. I want, I'm going to take off your clothes. I'm going to touch you all over. And if you want, I will really pleasure you. I will give you 10 minutes of whatever kind of sexy pleasure you want. And if she says, no, I'm too tired, you just say, okay, then I'm just going to touch you all over. I'm going to take care of myself. And by the end, if you're begging, I'm going to say no. And you can ask me next <laughs> tomorrow. Because a woman who's doing the like, talking there? Who's doing the talking? He is. He is. He is. He's saying, I, you don't want it. You want to tell me no? That's fine. I'm going to still take care of myself. I'm going to be doing this. I love touching your body. And oh my God. And oh, your breasts are beautiful. And oh, you can't feel this. Well, I feel this. This feels good to me. You're washing the dishes. Yeah. If you you let her know that she's turning you on. Yes. That also turns a woman on. Right, being well, desired of, is one of the desire, biggest things. For us. Really desired, genuine. When you, yeah. when it's not yeah. just slam bam, thank you, ma'am. Yeah. Now, yeah. a lot of men would never even think about saying that part that you said. Well, and if you don't want it, then I'll just touch myself and I'll take care of me. You know, a lot of guys just uh, have a something about that that they won't do it. So, how do you get over? <laughs> how do they get over that? So, I think that it's. I think it's very fair to say that both men and women have a sense of of shame about having a sexual desire. Oh, there are so many women who won't even touch themselves in private, let alone in front of their part. Oh, yes, yes. Huge numbers. Huge numbers of people that think that somehow that uh, if you're married, you shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to touch yourself. Yeah, that's that's a big one for them. But the idea is... That if we start seeing this as self-love, I hate the term masturbation. I, it's so clinical. Yeah, it's, it's so not word. sexy. It, right. It doesn't turn me on. But, but self-love, self-love. That's almost like self-care. Pleasure? And caregivers pleasure. need to be into self-care. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and self-pleasure. And so I talk about when, like, if you're giving up, uh, if you're having somebody over for dinner that you really like, and you're sitting there like grumpy and pent up and not willing to have a good time, <laughs> it's not much fun. Right. But if you are like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have a good time. I know you've had crap. I know you've had a long day. I know you've had to caretake for everybody else in the world and you haven't done anything. And I feel bad for you, but I don't want to moan and groan about that right now. Let's just celebrate something. Let's just tell bad jokes until we laugh, until we're silly, until whatever it is. Let's eat with our hands. Let's just be messy. And we are just going to focus on right this minute and just having fun. And so, you know, if we can take that and apply it to self-pleasure. Let me just interrupt. You remind me of, of a caregiver friend of mine who uh, said something very similar to that. You know, her husband was a stroke 
victim and he couldn't speak and he was just feeling really depressed. He just went out, you know, by the pool and he was just sulking. He says, hey, you know, let's let's watch some stupid movie and let's have some wine and let's just get drunk and... Yeah. And uh, and if you still want to kill yourself after we uh, watch the movie and the wine, then then okay, go ahead and do it. But uh, you know, at least let's let's do this first. And you know, that. it got him out of the the depression, and uh, they had a good time. And no, he didn't kill himself the next day. Yeah. So I like that. And the fact is, is that if we want, right? If you've got men who are complaining that their their wives aren't willing to have sexy fun with them, then I would say, okay, are you willing to have sexy fun? Mm-hmm. And if so, when somebody's having fun, we want to join them, right? It's contagious. Happiness, joy, yeah. pleasure. We want Happiness it. It's magnetic. Yes. Yeah. And so that's how you do it. You take away and you recognize and own the power that you have. And that way you relieve them of guilt and obligation and shame. Because if she's feeling uptight, like, oh, right, I'm going to make a bad look or my body is ugly or this, you know, I have a scar here or yeah. it's going to take a long time or I may or may not <laughs> orgasm, right? All of these things that happen with whatever Boy, sort of situation. You know situation. all the excuses, I mean, don't you? you? <laughs> in, my, in my generation, we were, sex was dirty. Yes. You know, yeah, you, you, yeah, your mother did a good job of explaining in that my, to you. In my generation... That's that's the way it was, you know. When you went away to college, you got lectured about, about people <laughs> touching you and kissing you, you know, where it was going to lead. And you expected still to be a virgin when you got married. My That era was a turning point. But uh, So, Adrian, do you believe that your mother enjoyed sex? Do you believe she no. had... Uh, orgasms, uh, at least. No. I hear there's women uh, who've never experienced an orgasm have five kids. Is that true? <laughs> yeah. How is that possible? Yes. yes. So funny thing. Well, the I wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, I guess. Yes. No, well, it's, well, it's, 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 sometimes it's the woman. Yeah. It, sometimes, I, so, for example, there's, sometimes there's just so much shame involved because of what, what's been instilled by or they have to Family do their duty. Just sit there and let that, the man do his duty and then get on with life. No, she's going to do her duty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the way, that's a wife's duty. Wow. Right. And and <laughs> the the problem is so um sex these days is still sex is erection and orgasm male orgasm based it it just is everything that we see in popular culture that's the focus um the female orgasm is kind of like the extra so it's never oh she gets hers and then does he you know it's his is a question it's always he gets his and hers is the question right? right and so women are still taught that we're really we have a choice we have two choices we're either a good girl or a slut and i say that some of us pretend like we're sluts. So until we get married or something, we're trying, we're being these wild women, we're going out, we're having sex and stuff, but we're not actually appreciating sexy as meaningful as love because everything tells us, oh, don't, right? If if he's having sex with you, but you're yeah. not married, he actually doesn't love you. He's just using you and, mm-hmm. and something. And so there's all these weird things in our head and men are taught, oh, just sex. They're not taught, don't, expect love don't want love just be glad you're getting sex that's what you all men just want sex that's all they're about <laughs> it's equally it's a, it's an equal disservice um but i know that i didn't actually orgasm until i gave birth the first time and i didn't know 
Again, I was yeah. always open-minded. I was fascinated by sex. During the no. birth? Is that what you mean? No. No, but afterwards. So I got knocked afterwards. up by the guy that I married. So it I was see. the same guy before. I yeah. had the baby. And suddenly afterwards, I was like, oh, my gosh. I didn't yeah. know what I was missing, right? I Because I would have this sort of pleasure, but I didn't have that out-of-control, over-the-top explosion. And well, What caused you I to come to that awareness? I mean, how did it just happen? I, so I, that's just what happened? I'm saying. I think something in my body. I don't know if I just uh, released Physiologically. Things. Right. Physiologically, things start flowing differently, but also, frankly, I was so uptight and so prude. Maybe just being able to open my legs and push a baby out through there, right? Maybe yeah. that took away some. I don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I do want people to know that even when you think you're open minded, we really need more talk because what if I hadn't experienced that? Just again, I didn't yeah. know that I was missing something. And that's ridiculous. I would never want my daughters to go through the first however many years of their sex life, never orgasming and not even knowing that they're missing yeah. out. That's not and the, then the, the problem is we've got the media portraying sex in, in a certain way and they're, they're encouraging yes. kids in high school and even grammar schools to go out and have sex and we're going to teach you how to put a condom on a banana and, and really... So it, it's yeah. it's contradictory, but we're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words, Overcoming Unbelievable Hardships, is about Charlene, a stroke survivor. Back in 1996, Charlene was a healthy, normal, very active 52-year-old woman whose amazing talents resemble that of both a Martha Stewart and a Wonder Woman. But all that changed when she suffered a massive stroke that left her severely speech-impaired and paralyzed on the right side. Who am I? My name is David. I've had the privilege of being Charlene's husband since 1975. We had a wonderful, fairy tale, storybook-like courtship that culminated in our marriage a year later. Charlene had just come out of a marriage where after 10 years, she received two black eyes and a broken nose by her former husband when he came home high on speed. Charlene believed in no second chances of any kind for abuse, so she left. Finding herself all alone in the world with her five and ten-year-old daughters Cynthia Lorraine and Deborah Lynn, she started raising them by herself for the next two years. Then fate brought us all together. After falling in love with Charlene, Cindy, and Debbie, our love then produced Rebecca Elizabeth. We had a wonderful, normal life for the next 20 years. But today, things are very different for everyone. How about the reaction of nine-time Grammy and Devil Award recipient, the godfather of contemporary gospel Christian music, Andre Crouch? Charlene just won't let the promises of God go, and she has not let her circumstances get in the way of her faith. She's not just a survivor, she's more than a conqueror, as the Bible states. You'll be encouraged by her testimony, regardless of what you're going through. Available everywhere. Dave Nassani, The Caregiver's Caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too. Reclaim your caregiver sanity by learning when to say yes and when to say no. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through because he is one. And he now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his incredible caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first, 
before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Reclaim your caregiver sanity by learning when to say yes and when to say no. We'll help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life, and learn to put their needs first. Pick up your copy today or buy one for your special caregiver. On sale everywhere and at caregiverscaregiver.com. And we're back with my co-host, Adrian Gruberg, and our wonderful guest, Beth Liebling. And we were, we're having a very exciting discussion here. And uh, to remind you what we were talking about, we were talking about uh, some women who, who maybe have never had an orgasm in their life and how we can uh, have sexual fun, sexy fun, I think is the way you put it, without necessarily having sex. So you spoke about... Uh, the uh, three things to turn a woman on. Let's talk about four things a woman should know about what men want and need, unless we already did. You know, you touched on some things. Yeah, we did. So um, men want respect. They want appreciation. Darn right. Um, <laughs> right. <It's, laughs> mm-hmm. um, they want love. And they want Physical affection. Right? Define Very love. Easy. Define love. That's where um, <laughs> what what they're they're taught is somehow like it's this nebulous thing, but I say it's love. Let's let's think of it through intimacy. I think there are five different ways that we um, five different kinds of intimacy, and there is a a physical intimacy where I say that's if you're sitting next to somebody on the subway, you have a physical intimacy on them, with them. There is an emotional intimacy. We can have an emotional intimate relationship with, with our friends, with our... Or, um, or our, an emotional affair. Or an emotion, exactly, because it's it's very intimate, right? Because they're um, not getting we, what they need emotionally from their spouse, so they're having it with a stranger. Exactly. Yes, where it becomes a wedge instead of something just to support and encourage. So I always think it's either a wedge between you or it's bringing you closer. So um, so we've got the physical um, intimacy, the emotional intimacy. We have a sexual intimacy. And that, for example, um, if, uh, our gynecologist might actually be touching our sexual parts and yet... That's not really not the kind of sexual, love yeah. that we want, right? It, it, it is, yeah. <laughs> so, so then we need a romantic intimacy, and that could be people. There are people in long distance relationships that can never actually touch one another, and yet they have that emotional intimacy. They're sexual because they're turning each other on, and it's a romantic one. The Shakespeare um, but, love letters, yes, exactly. And then the last is um, the what a spiritual intimacy, right? Where it's, where you know that not only what you're doing feels good and everything, and it is good, but it is, it's life. It is your joy. It is a source of renewal and connection. And to me, when you have those five kinds of intimacy, that's actually, that's love, right? That, that is the greatest form of love. So people want love and yet they don't realize what that involves and so we're never quite sure that that they've gotten it sort of maybe some people might analogize it to like success right people who have no idea of what their goal is never feel like they've actually achieved success so if we can 
be specific about what love is. When we have those kinds, five different kinds of intimacy, that's the kind of love that fulfills us. And notice in there, erection and orgasm don't have to be part of it. You can have great, sexy, intimate fun and all of those kinds of intimacy without it. So I say that as long as you've got kind of your head um, involved, no matter what your, your body is like, then I think there are ways that we can help you create romantic, sexy, um, fun together. All right. And there are a lot of BMS couples out there, um, even the ones that are spousal caregivers. Um, what advice would you give them to, like, tomorrow start not having boring marital sex? What can they? What steps can they take? Can, can it happen that quickly? Yes, it it can. I Come li- on, I coach. Really? I swear. I coached a couple once. They hadn't had sex basically. I mean, maybe once or twice a year for ten or twelve years. They were so <laughs> far apart. And a week later, I get an email from them, one of my favorite emails ever. And he's typing. He says, "We are naked in bed together, and we don't want to get out." <laughs> it's incredible, right? These wow, are the stories. Another success we- story. Um, I have couples in their 70s that are having what they call a sexual renaissance. We had a 90 a 90-year-old woman who's with a new partner. Um, she was widowed. She has a new boyfriend. He's like 94. She had never had an orgasm. And her partner sent her into our shop, and she bought a vibrator. She'd never seen one. She didn't know. It was so incredible. And so we helped her figure out how to use it, how to try to learn how to to pleasure herself because again if we don't know then we don't even know what to tell our partners and and it's no wonder right there they can be lost they don't know so she had so much fun that she came back i swear two weeks later and bought her second one it was just like, <laughs> was like i don't know how much time did she, i have did I she want, break I, the first I, one <laughs> no but they're all different ways to play and we right we have different options and different so you experiences have a, you have a store yes yes i have a place called darling way in Houston. That's in, all in, in way. Gotcha. So it's not a, uh, a sex shop, quote unquote. No, I say that it really is. It's about, it's about love because I am so sappy. My shrink of 20 something years, he once told me, he's like, Beth, you don't have to be a Pollyanna. Oh yeah, that's my shop. Isn't it? Be- it's so darling. It's so cute. <laughs> makes me so happy. It's my dream place. But my shrink said, oh, you don't have to be a Pollyanna. And it came back a week later. And I was like, what, what if I want to? Like, really, I just want to believe in love and romance, and I want people to be happy. And I didn't grow up in a family that had any physical affection, that had any um, words of affirmation. I didn't grow up feeling love, and I just crave it. And I just think that when we have it, it, everything in life is better. We can deal with so much. So, yes, people can change it in about a minute. And so I would tell you, the first thing I think is start talking. And I know that's hard, but just ask somebody and be like, okay, what would turn you on more? Do a better A or B? And just make up some crazy thing. Would you be more turned on having sex like in public or in um, in the bathroom, right? Would, would it turn you on to go out in public without wearing underwear under your skirt? Or maybe for men, would it turn you on more to wear no underwear or to wear a pair of a woman's underwear? And ask just silly, crazy questions so that you're laughing and you're giggling, but it gives you permission to say, oh, I didn't think of that, but that might be fun. And um, 
And so I tell people, like, even if you're very shy and very um, uptight, like I was for so many years, so there's no judgment, but maybe making out on a park bench is as as body as you could ever imagine. That's outlandish. Holding hands is just crazy. Well, then go hold hands in public or go sit on a park bench and just kiss one another and then just let your faces turn red and grin. Um, even if somebody's in a wheelchair, lean over and kiss them and be like, yeah, people look. Go ahead, look. Look how much we love each other, right? These wheelchairs, they don't stop PDA, love. public display of affection. Yes. Yes, right? And so there's right. so many just little ways. And one of the simplest also would be to kiss with intention. So a lot of people will just get pecks, peck on the cheek, peck on the lips. It just, after so many years, those little kisses become throwaways. And take that back. Kiss with intention. And so I say a kiss should be a whole conversation. A kiss can say, I'm really sorry. A kiss can say, I screwed up. A kiss can say, damn, you look hot today. A kiss mm-hmm. can say, I want you right now, right? <laughs> um, a kiss can say, I'm so proud of you. So try and do and kiss with intention and have, you know, kiss and then be like, okay, what did I tell you? And see if that <laughs> message gets Okay, Kiss somebody's hand, not just as a throwaway, but truly kiss. Kiss their fingertips. Lick, lick their fingers or let mm-hmm. somebody lick your fingers. How intimate is that? Oh, God, it's so, it's hot, it's simple, it's beautiful. You can do it in front of anybody. You can do it from a hospital bed. There are so many ways that we can really connect if we just say, this matters, this is important. I know you're suffering, but I need to feel loved. I need to feel like you're still my sp- my partner, my lover, and my romantic source. So, yeah. I and can I keep going, but I don't want to bore you. <laughs> No, I'm speechless. My mouth is like, oh. (laughs) It works the other way, too, that uh, you you want the patient or or the person that's being cared for to feel that kind of love. Yes. And I'll tell you a story, if I could. This this couple... um, um, The wife passed away about a year ago, but they were in their 50s. Um, Been married for since they were in their 20s. I mean, a beautiful love story. And they went through all sorts of horrors. He's, he's sober. He, you know, it's, they didn't have just an easy time. But then she um, passed away from cancer and there was a long mm-hmm. struggle. But he told me this story and it, it makes me cry. So just forgive me. But um, so she's in the, in the hospital bed and she's on hospice. She's at home and he gets up to, to leave. He thinks she's sleeping and he's been by her bedside and he gets up to leave and she's like, wait, Come here. And so he leans down because she doesn't have much voice or anything. And he leans mm-hmm. down and he's afraid he's he's afraid she's gonna say goodbye. Right? This is mm-hmm. it. And he leads down mm-hmm. going, Oh my god. And you know what she says, this proper religious woman? She says, You wanna fuck? <laughs> and he burst into laughter. And I swear, so that's the story he gets to tell. Even even when she's at the end, she's got this power and she can make him laugh and she can tease him and she can remind him of how much love there is. And that's still there. Even while the body is fading, that love and desire for him, that lives on. And that's the kind of love story that everybody should be telling all over the place, I think. That's just... um. Did they? Did me. they, or did it? Was it just a joke? No, it was. It was a joke because she was. She she died. She was in such a Right, yeah. but if you don't think that he walked around feeling like 
a man feeling with a sense of joy that day and knowing that that he was still a lover, right? That she was still a lover. Their bodies weren't wanted. Yes. Yes. Right. And that's just incredible. And so, um, so I think it's never, we can always do things, but we just have to own it. We have to recognize the value in that kind of connection. What do you say to, to spousal caregivers? Uh, you know, if, if the man is truly impotent, maybe he had uh, prostate surgery and now there's just nothing down there. Uh, or for the woman, or, you know, maybe it just doesn't work down there anymore for whatever reason. Maybe she's paralyzed uh, uh, from the waist down or whatever. What uh, hope can you give either of those two people? So then I always start by asking them, there's always something that, that turns us on and it's not just um, inside getting a juicy kind of feeling right it's not just an right. there there are parts of us and and maybe it's the desire for romance maybe it's just some outlandish something right but most people will even if they can't feel will enjoy watching some sort of sexy something or thinking about something sexy so I encourage them to start thinking about what how they can get turned on that's not just in the the genital area. Um, And um, so, for example, I don't mean to be crass, but but I do, as an example, I tell people, women all the time, well, even if they've had vaginal surgery and so many, they can't do that, I was like, hey, well, let's talk about a tushy, right? You've got a tushy. That's got some pleasure. If he wants to put it in, right, we've got some other options. And I laugh about it. but, But I say, right, if we believe in divine creation, if God gave us this body, God gave us this body to enjoy every bit of it. We don't just say, oh, I, I should only use one finger or I should only use these. We use all of them, right? We use our toes. We improvise. If we don't have arms or hands, then people use their toes to pick up and they eat with them and stuff. That's the way that we are designed. And so we need to appreciate that this this bounty of our body is is a divine gift, and we should use it lovingly and respectfully to give love and to feel love and to receive love with our partners as much and as often and as wonderfully as we can. So if, um, let's just say, if a man is cannot get at all aroused, I would say, okay, so let's figure out though, but wouldn't you feel like a heck of a man if you could get your wife off? Wouldn't you be just like, the, the king of the jungle, if you had a tongue that she said was magic, if she said, I can't wait till he kisses me because when he kisses me good night, I sleep really well, right? <laughs> Those are ways that they can do and to identify. And so um, we can just celebrate what options we have and we can be creative in using those options. Um, and if there's just, if there's really, if somebody doesn't have any use of their body at all, right? Maybe it's that you let somebody touch you and that could be, maybe it's that you direct the action. And maybe if I can't move my arms or legs, I tell, uh, you know, my male partner, okay, I want you to take off your clothes. Stand up in front of me. Okay, just undo the belt. Just take it off slowly. Wait, no, no. Okay, wait, now turn around. Now bend over. Oh, look at that. Oh, my God, you've got the coolest tush. If I could touch your tush right now, my hands would be all over you, right? And, okay, take down the pants, right? If we do that, unbutton your shirt slowly. Come here because I want to kiss your chest. Right? I can't move my head, but you can come to me. Put your finger in my mouth and please let me just feel you. Right? All of these things. I like people do phone sex all the time because there are lots of ways we can turn people on. Um, mm. And our voice oh, yeah. is one of the sexiest things that we have. And so again, when we use it with love and with intention and deliberation and pleasure and power and joy, 
oh god that's you just some we're still walking around smiling so wow. yeah they're all mm -hmm. so the first step to all this obviously is to communicate to your partner that you want to go in this direction and many people just can't it just doesn't come out of their mouths what can you say to those people so I tell them, I say, throw Beth under the bus. Throw me under the bus <laughs> as often as you need to. Don't say, oh, I really want to have some sexy fun. Say, I heard this podcast. Dave and Beth and Adrian were talking about how important sexy stuff was. And I don't know, right? We've been doing without it or whatever. But the fact is, I want to stay with you. I love you and I want our life together. And I just think we could have it even better. So you want to try? Like, you know, I don't really know what to do. But why don't we just try something new? The same way we would bring up, hey, why don't we try a restaurant, right? I've never eaten sushi. Mm -hmm. Why don't we try it? I don't know. Maybe I'll like it. Maybe I won't. But let's try going out. So so that's how. Throw me under the bus and say, hey, so Beth had this idea that maybe we could talk through sexy stuff. Maybe we could just ask each other better A or B or what turns you on more or where do you like me to kiss you, <laughs> you know, anything. And that's it. Open so, the conversation. And you can be sexy at any age, right? I mean, that woman at 90, I would never yes. think that it's possible for a 90-year-old or a 95-year-old man to uh, enjoy sex. But, you know, I, I used to sing at the senior center, and these old people, they're it's like junior high. They're dating each other, yep, and this one's going absolutely. with that one, and that one's sleeping with that one. And, and yes. uh, I spoke to the right. director and said, oh, yeah, man, I, these people are horny, you know? Yep. And I said, whoa, really? Well, no, there's been like there have been outbreaks of STIs at retirement communities retire and stuff. It's it's, it's true. Yeah, it's been a serious issue, um, <laughs> and partly because our filters, right, our, our filters get a little bit eroded, and partly it's because we have time, and and then partly because people reach a point and often they're like, I don't want to die without having some fun, and um. And that's true, again, because this is the fundamental, no matter how much money you have or don't have or, or anything else, we can all have some sexy fun. Um, and, and I'll tell you, orgasm, the other thing your caregivers should know is that it should be that the four key ingredients to taking care of yourself should be eating right, sleeping, getting some exercise, and orgasming. Because orgasm is by far and away one of the best things we can do for our bodies. It's a stress it reliever, makes. right? It is a stress reliever. It is good for every one of our internal organs. It makes us so look healthy. 10 years younger. It's so healthy. It fights. It helps us fight infection 20% better. Get out of um, here. Really? Oh I'm, oh, I'm so serious. Yes. <laughs> How does yes. that happen? Dave. <laughs> because it kicks off all of these healthy hormones. It gets our cycles for women and stuff. It can help regulate a hormonal cycle. It can help minimize um, or deal with PMS. It can fight migraines and pain. It, um, wow, it, if you ever needed a reason, yeah. I guess you've got them all. Yes. And the American Medical Association, by the way, recommends three orgasms a week for men because of mm. prostate health. That is a huge issue. And only well, one I'm, for women. I'm good there. I'm good crazy, there. So, so <laughs> yeah. So, it is huge. So there you go. Um, it is absolutely, totally healthy. And does having orgasms reduce uh, a man's... Uh, tendency to become, uh, you know, need the Viagra? Yes. Use yes. it or lose it, you know? Use, oh, use it or lose it applies actually for women too, but absolutely. Oh, really? Because for women, and in What fact, do they actually lose? Um, our tissues down below, right? Our, everything gets dry. Well, as mm. things get dry, they get brittle. And so if you think of um, uh, 
the vagina is the interior. So the vo- vagina, the vulva, if it's dry down there and we're walking, right, it's, it's rubbing against each other and, uh-huh. and skin on skin can then, it just gets irritated. It gets more prone to infection. You get yeah. infections and rashes, et cetera. So the more orgasms you have, the more it helps keep at least a little bit of juice flowing. It helps keep blood and oxygen flowing throughout the, um, the organs. So men, um, orgasm helps keep blood and oxygen flowing through the prostate, which helps keep it um, contracting harder and expelling more um, what I like to call spooge, for lack of a better, you know, <laughs> it's a fun, nice word. Um, and uh, because prostate cancer is the accumulation of malignant cancer cells within the prostate, right? So the more often, it's kind of like the dregs of a coffee pot. So the more you um, contract the, the prostate and expel fluids from there, then the less likely you are to accumulate stuff. So, um, and so women, the elasticity can get lost because as we get drier. So even women who are not with a partner, if they're happily soloed, even if they're orgasming just from clitoral stimulation, the the health approach is actually that they should have some penetration from a, a dildo or some sort of um, uh, something fingers. Yeah. That goes inside because it helps keep things stretchy and going back and keeps the, the blood tissue more reasons. Yeah. Tissue healthy. Yes, yes. So did it you definitely know all this, is Adrian? Did you know all this stuff, Adrian? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You, she didn't learn anything. When I was a kid, my parents, um, like I said, no talk about sex. My parent, my mother didn't think right. sex was fun. She just thought whatever. But so the, my sex education was three books thrown at me, like when I was however years old. When I got those books, I wanted, then I knew I wanted to write books about sex. Like, what if, were the books? If I had, um, one was, um, where did I come from? I remember that right. one. I can't remember the other ones, but right. yeah. Um, but nobody told me that it would be okay to think of sex as a living, right? So, but if I had, I would have done this from the get go. Instead, I knew I either wanted, you know, to be a counselor for families or a divorce lawyer because I knew mm-hmm. it was all about relationships. I didn't, I wanted 10 kids when I was a kid. Now I realize it's because I just wanted love. I literally wanted mm. love. I wanted to be surrounded by love. Um, and nobody told me. So I love the fact that when I hear about people in, um, that are older than me that went into a sexy business and, and dealt with it, I think that takes such courage and I admire them so much because it wasn't, it's hard enough for me and people want to discount me or they want to think I'm just fringe or, or edgy or something. (laughs) But, but it's so interesting. And I know, um, again, I actually, I don't separate my heart and my body. I, um, I don't judge to me. Sexy is you decide. And as long as there's consent, that's, that's my line of judgment. But I do think that, that hookup sex, I think it's kind of like fast food, right? It might scratch an itch. It it might take care of something. And and so I'm not judging. But I really want to encourage people that there is such fine dining in sexy fun and that anybody and everybody, caregivers, poor people, right? Anybody, you can get there. But people have this feeling that, oh, right, they can't they they wouldn't know it. They don't deserve it. They can't afford it, you know, Um, and I think if we can help open things up and really talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, like we're doing here, right? It's not mm-hmm. just an easy thing, but everybody could aspire. 
Right. And, and the more yeah, we know, because what, I want to what, shut down the sex trafficking right there. There's zero excuse for that. Mm-hmm. We just right. need to be able to identify it more clearly. And that's why I just think, again, the more we speak about things, then the more opportunity there is to recognize what's okay, whether you approve yes. or not, what's okay versus what's non-consensual, because that's yes. the problem. Right. I, I, we have to get the sex trafficking stuff. That is absolutely inexcusable and we need to be able to spot it much more quickly. So that's just my take. Sorry. Yeah. And so actually, so I would say, because Dave, so I think that's the problem to write is even for caregivers. The problem is that somehow or another, all of sexy stuff has just been sort of brought and, and tossed in the gutter. And we have to recognize that there is, there is good stuff. There is some that belongs in the gutter, right? There is ugly parts and, and, I'm not trying to shy away. I want to be able to talk about that. I help a lot of women who have sexual trauma and stuff. Those are huge issues. And so never take it for granted. But we need to give people an opportunity to embrace the good parts, the love, the beauty, the joy, the divine, um, just absolutely what it should, the ideal that people are created again for love, for intimate connections. And, um, Mm -hmm. Do you know in the I'm an, an quote nice Jewish girl, right? And <laughs> Those do you ages. know? <laughs> yes, exactly. But do you know in according to Jewish law that a woman, it's the only religion where a woman can actually be entitled to a divorce if her husband doesn't sexually pleasure her. Hmm. Not the man. He doesn't get divorced if she doesn't. The woman can get a divorce. And I didn't know that. Yes. So you think that, like, as Jewish women, we would grow up saying, oh, yeah, we, we're entitled, right? Our, our, our Torah, our laws are all well, about. Jewish women already know entitled. they're entitled, first of all. I wish, because there's this terrible joke that, and you could substitute anything in there, but I say, you know, how do you get a nice Jewish girl to stop having sex? Marry her. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, isn't that terrible? And and yep. it's more terrible that people get it. It's just and you could put See, Catholic, you could put Baptist, you could put anything in there. It's just mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. It should be okay. You get married, and now this is where the fun really starts, and the whole world is going to cheer you on. Love. Right. One of my clients said, twenty-five years, she always loved her husband, always loved him, but now. She loves loving her husband. That's that's what we want. Well, guys, we've gone over, so I can't believe how fast this hour has gone because we're having so much fun. We could probably talk another hour about it, but we have to go. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Beth. And if listeners are interested in finding out more about you, where can they go? They can go to darlingway.com or they can go to bethtalks.com. Either one. One's my coaching and one's the shop. Beth Talks, T-A-L-K-S. Adrian, yes. and you are at uh, the caregiverspace.org. Caregiverspace.org. Or your email is adrian at thecaregiverspace.org. Yes. And a reminder, uh, all our live shows become recorded podcasts and videocasts on our membership website and all those other uh, sites that I mentioned earlier. Uh, so our site is caregiverdave.com, and we have three free gifts for you at caregiverdave.com. Just check it out. No obligation. So with that... All my listeners, thank you for tuning in. And until next time, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for having me. It was fun. (laughs) Yes, it was. Sometimes it feels 
Like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing.